I'm Rachel. And I'm Tristan. And this is the Nitty Gritty Podcast, and today is Monday, so that means it is Marvel Monday, and this is our first episode, so today we're going to be reviewing Iron Man. This is, of course, the 2008 movie directed by John Favreau. We have Mark Fergus, Hawk Osby, Art Markham, and Matt Holloway, all credited as screenwriters. And this movie is starring, of course, Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark slash Iron Man. Uh, We also have Terrence Howard as Rhodey, Jeff Bridges as Obadiah Stane, and Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts. So in these nitty-gritty reviews, uh, we go through an entire grid and rate movies based on a variety of topics. If you'd like to see a sample of the grid, you can go ahead and check out grittyfilms.com slash the grid, and that's grittyfilms, spelled G-R-I-D-D-Y, films.com. And you can also check out uh, both Tristan and my completed grids for Iron Man, uh, also over at grittyfilms.com. Okay, so before we get into uh, breaking this down, looking at the grid, all that good stuff. I wanted to just talk about this movie a little bit in a more general sense. Um, so we'll start by just, um, when when did you first see this movie? I don't remember. No? Did I, you see it in theaters? I did not see it in theaters. Um, it must have been after I met you. Really? Yeah. I uh, didn't watch many movies in theaters, and I didn't really have any interest in superhero stuff. Really? Yeah, but I know your huh. family's really big into it and so oh that's... yeah my dad especially you know superman is, is his all-time favorite um so yeah the whole marvel cinematic universe was was a brand new concept i was barely even aware of who iron man was as a character um kind of new captain america by look recognition sure only. um anyway i feel like i hijacked what you were saying i just went off you on did. my own thing sorry you can keep going um <laughs> No, that, I think that was it. <laughs> so was this only, like, your second time ever seeing it? Uh, maybe third, yeah. Okay. I've seen it, I think this was either my third or fourth time seeing it. I definitely saw it in theaters, and afterwards, you know, I was like, like, okay, so wait, what? what, what is the Avengers Initiative? What is <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D.? Like, what is happening? I, I don't know, but I like it. Yeah. So then, of course, like, I just remember sitting in the theater after the credit, I think it was before the end credit sequence, and my dad was... I'm remembering this now. He was explaining to me why we had to sit through the credits. Like, you've, we've got to wait. There's, like, this this whole thing. It's going to be exciting. And then he was, like, explaining to me how, like, like all these different superheroes are going to have their own movies. And there's going to be a movie with all of them. And I was just, like, like yeah. my, it blew my mind. Um, so that's that's my biggest memory of this movie is just seeing it in theaters, not know, you know, thinking the trailers looked good. Seeing it in theaters and then just being like, wait, this is like a whole... Like, I mean, of course, I was very familiar with Justice League, so I was like, this is basically Justice League, but with different characters. This is awesome. Yeah. So I guess that's my big ending. I really went off on a... I got very excited and you did. got distracted. So the first category of the grid is going to be writing, plot, and genre. Um, I guess I'll just kind of jump right in with the plot structure, um, which I wasn't like super impressed with um i mean it's not bad by any means there's particularly for a marvel movie i feel like later marvel movies there tend to be not necessarily plot holes but a lot of conveniences a lot of you know maybe things fall through the cracks things like that And i didn't really feel like that was was a problem with this so as far as the i guess as far as the structure goes like it was pretty solid um but it just seems like there wasn't quite enough meat there for me. There was just a lot that I like forgot was even a part of it. Like I remember the opening stuff and you know all the things in the Middle East, the cave scenes, like I remember all that. 
And then I remember the battle with Obadiah, and that's like the, yeah. the bulk. Like there's, and when you look at like what happens in between that, it, is it really that much? Like I, I'm not sure. Um, mm. It just seemed like, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's more character stuff. I mean, it's, yeah. it's his his journey of of redemption, I guess, and wanting to get out of the weapons trade. Um, but it just seemed like plot points were few and far between with not a lot. I mean, we both mentioned, well, I'm sure we'll get more into this with the editing. We both mentioned several times when we were watching it, just how many montages there were. Yeah. Um, which I think is, was just kind of like filler for, for a lack of plot points. Do you have anything you want to, want to jump in? Uh, no, I thought pretty much the same thing. Um, there, I didn't see any like major plot holes. There's nothing that, you know, when I saw it happen, I was like, oh, come on. The, um, I don't know why I had to describe my reaction to plot holes, but uh, it seems like a pretty straightforward plot. I did think it was interesting that uh, it started and then it flashed backed, I guess, for yeah. like, what, a quarter of the movie? Yeah, I was going to ask you, too, because, and, I, and I, don't, I don't quite know the answer to this, and I'm a little undecided, like... Do you think that was necessary? Uh, I think they wanted to get to the action. Absolutely. It was definitely, a, what did they call that, in media res or whatever. Yeah. And I did appreciate like when we caught back up to that scene, they didn't replay it. Yeah. Usually they do in movies. At least you know they'll take a 10-minute scene, cut it down to two minutes. Yeah. Um, and with this, we see him get in the car, which we didn't see before. We see the explosion from a different angle than we saw before, and that's it. Yeah. So I did like that, at least. But even a lot of the like the explanations as to why he was there and the character building that happened, like I, I felt like a lot of that could have been kind of cut down. I think so. To like five or ten minutes instead of like, like you said, like half the movie practically. Yeah, a lot of the movie seemed devoted to showing what kind of guy Tony Stark is. Exactly. Which, to be fair, he is a, a fan favorite and, and he's had his own movies and he's been very popular and he's a favorite in the Avengers movies and so I mean I, I guess all that that character building and that that focus on character paid off um it just seemed a little too particularly in the beginning it's like look he's an asshole isn't it great and, yeah. it, and it just kind of but but he's a likable character so I guess I don't know I'm a little bit like I said I, I'm not sure I know the answer to it um, but I guess maybe I do because it did seem like yeah it just seemed like like all that could have been condensed. Yeah, they could have cut out a lot of the character building, but then I guess they'd fill that with more montages. So I don't know, and it's I'm, I'm really complaining quite a bit here, and I so I guess I should be clear. I do like this movie a lot, and it's definitely a solid foundation for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, we'll see how much you really like it. Well, yeah, we'll see as we get along. But I mean, it's it's a good movie. Like I don't want it to just seem like I hate this movie. I just feel, and particularly because, obviously, I mean, it's been 10 years now. We've had 10 years of Marvel movies to see how great they can be. And this is still, it stands up as a good one, but there's still some things that I'm like, could have been better. And we've seen it be better in, in other yeah. Marvel movies. Um, and what I like is that the his outer goal, um, it, it changed quite a bit throughout the movie, oh, um, yeah. which I liked. Like, it was definitely, it was fluid. It wasn't like most superhero movies where it's like, the movie starts out, find out about the bad guy the goal becomes fight the bad guy i mean that's definitely by the third act that's what it becomes but there's definitely more of you know like oh i'm gonna sell weapons I'm, you know i'm gonna go here and sell my weapons oh, i'm gonna escape the cave right i'm gonna use this technology to 
stop building weapons, even though he does just build a weapon. But, you <laughs> I'm gonna know. turn myself into a weapon <laughs> so I can stop weapons. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then from there it becomes stop the bad guy. So I like that there is, you know, it's fluid. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Um, the other characters don't really have much outer goals. It's just uh, Iron Man or Tony Stark, which it's his movie, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> it makes sense. It's not really an ensemble movie at no. this point. Yeah, uh, it's very much focused on him. But very much I so. also really did like that uh, his he did have clear outer goals that changed throughout the movie. I noticed mm-hmm. that as well. They spent so much time showing who Tony Stark is, mm-hmm. and they spent so much time on these like little montages. Um, yeah. There was, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was. What, six, seven, eight montages at least? Oh, at least. There, there was maybe not ten. It was like a five, montage five every seven. ten minutes. There, there were every quite a few. Minutes. Yeah. But, yeah, there was a lot of that. Um, if you removed that, the pace would be better, but it would be a much shorter movie. So I don't know if you'd have to add something else or pad it out with something else or make the yeah. story more interesting or longer or something. I, I don't know. I feel like they could have just added a couple scenes with, with Obadiah, like at that antagonist character development going because he was really yeah kind of ignored for most of the movie i thought that was kind of interesting though because he doesn't seem like the bad guy at first yeah and that i think they did that pretty well they like ramped up how bad he is yeah or at least i didn't notice it in the beginning yeah it was definitely i mean he starts off as like the mentor and then ends up the villain which i do like i don't know marvel is always kind of at well I don't know, we'll get more into this in character. Yeah. The character section, which is next, but Marvel's pretty much always had a little bit of a a villain problem, as they say. Whereas their villains tend to be on the forgettable side. Yeah. And and I do think that, you know, and had they just spent a little bit more time, not necessarily focusing on how how evil he is, because I, I like what you're saying about how it's it's more gradual and he starts off as, you know, as one thing and becomes something else. Like I, I thought that was well done, I agree. Um, but I just feel like we didn't get that much time with him. Except cut out some montages, add something more with substance, and I, I think it could have worked a little better. Yeah. I feel like the uh, the character of Tony Stark is entertaining enough. They got away with it for the most part, but it's still very noticeable and still yeah. still a lot of just forgettable scenes in the grand scheme of things. You know, before Iron Man, we, we had a lot of superhero movies. We had, you know, the 70s and 80s Superman movies. We had the, the early Batman movies. Uh, we yeah. had even had um, X-Men. X-Men and I think Spider-Man. Oh. So there were a few Sony, uh, Sony Marvel franchises that had gone big by this time. So there's, I don't know why I'm going through a whole history. There was, there's, it wasn't uh, unheard of to have superhero movies. And yet, you know, it wasn't like now people are talking about, you know, there's superhero fatigue is, yeah. is another phrase that gets thrown around a lot of like, there's just so many of these movies. And it really, um, in my opinion, at least, I mean, it really, obviously the MCU started with, with Iron Man. Yeah. That's not in my opinion. That's just fact. But, uh, but then as far as the, um, the superhero genre, like it really became something else with Iron Man, which is interesting. And particularly, you know, after 10 years looking back, it's, yeah. it's interesting to see where it started. Um, one of the things that I really think is interesting is seeing, um, like, there's very clear influences of those movies that I just mentioned that came before it that okay. are at play here, but then it's also, you know, being its own thing. Like, it's a really interesting mix of 
old tropes that existed before this movie came out and new tropes that this movie started to create. Right, it's a like a transition movie. Exactly. So so as far as like a, a genre sandwich I tend I just like genre theories and, and analyses, you know, applied to movies. I just think it's really interesting. Um, but but from that genre perspective, um, I think that's one of the things that makes this movie the most enjoyable is is looking at it in retrospect. Even though I mean when I saw it in theaters I loved it. Like I right. I've always liked it. But now looking back on it in the context of 10 years of Marvel, that's one thing. Because like you mentioned several times when we were watching it, like, this movie is just silly at times. And, yeah. yeah. And it very much so reminded me of, like, you know, the Tim Burton Batman movies. It just had these, like, really cheesy, silly, okay, yeah. you know, comic booky superhero Saturday morning cartoon, almost like that kind of. Like, it, was, it wasn't quite that, but it was, like, taking some of those almost slaps like particularly like there's a scene where he's learning how to use the suit and he's flying around it's like whoa 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 oh I'm gonna hit the wall oh yeah that's <laughs> like, that's what he sounded like that was yeah. like dead on that wasn't even <laughs> an exaggeration yeah and uh yeah that very much so reminded me of like the early you know the 80s and 90s or 90s I guess Batman movies yeah but then it also I don't know has Coulson there and, and all the shield and building up a universe and Tony Stark as a character is very much so like Bruce Wayne, but also very much so different. It's That's true. I don't know. There's just a lot of interesting taking from old, making new somewhere in the middle, like I said, transition period. Anyway, I've, I've gone on way too long. I, I love talking about genre, but yeah. that was one of the, the things that I really liked about this movie. Yeah. I, uh, I thought pretty much the same thing. Um, it's, has uh you know having seen all the other uh, marvel movies yeah you can see how it definitely follows the formula and it has the things that these kinds of movies are supposed to have but you can see that it's not like fully formed yet yeah and it's very different than earlier movies like howard the duck <laughs> let's not even go there anyway even though it's interesting some of those you know throwbacks to like 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 the batman like almost slapsticky hokey little too much like even though i could see like oh yeah this kind of feels like those batman movies it's like yeah but that's not what the mcu is so it's like right like it's interesting to see that transition period but it also kind of hinders it from a perfect 10 in my book because it's okay. it just gets a little awkward at times and a little like like, oh, it's finding its footing. It's not quite there yet. It's close. It's definitely definitely a solid first movie in a franchise, but still finding its footing in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, so then that brings us to world building and exposition. Um, and this is an interesting one um, for this movie because obviously you have the world building and exposition of Iron Man, mm -hmm. but then you also have the world building and exposition of the MCU. Which is going to be true of, of it's going to be true for for everything we review within this Marvel rewatch, but it's it's more so true with this one because just like the pilot of a TV show, like it is it is right. our, it is our first look. Like this is this is our introduction. It has a lot of little references. We have you know have Coulson introducing Shield. You have obviously the end credit scene, which. Even even to this day, even watching it, I'm just like, like yeah, Avengers Initiative. Like he's not the first superhero. There have been others. There's there's gonna be more after him. This is yeah, like it's <laughs> it's so exciting. Like it's it still has that effect on me even ten years later and knowing what happens in the next ten years and and even things like um, uh, you know Coulson at one point makes some comment like. Uh, 
you know, oh, this isn't my first rodeo when he's trying to teach uh, Tony Stark how to, like, have a secret identity and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, but but it is your first rodeo. Even 10 years later, like, we haven't filled in that gap, but we have Ms. Marvel coming out in 2019, and I, I have heard that he's cast in that, and everyone's like, oh, it's probably going to be framed where it's, like, starts in present day, like Wonder Woman was. Start in present day, oh. flashback to the 90s. And in present day, and he'll be in the present day scenes. And I'm like, why are people assuming that? It's going to be a little weird because he's aged 10 years, and it's going to be 20 years ago. Like, he's going to be 20 years older than he should be, I guess is what I'm saying. But right. I'm assuming he's going to be in the 90s and, and you know, being a mentor to her, which, which I think is exciting. I think that's going to be fun. Hopefully that's what happens. But anyway, so things like that, that even 10 years later is like, what are they hinting at? There's still, yeah. still more. Um, so yeah, I'm doing it again. I'm going on with you. God, it interrupts me, but... Yeah, exactly the same thing for me. It sets up this world that Tony Stark lives in, and where Tony Stark is Tony Stark. He's, like, plastered all over Newsweek and, and all the media and has all his uh, fancy functions for, was it firefighters or something like that, and all these media events. Uh, and it sets up that there's Coulson and S.H.I.E.L.D. and all the things that we're going to see in future movies, they're all uh, in this world. Absolutely. All right, so that's the end of the writing, plot, and genre category. Uh, so my total was a 7.5 out of 10. So pretty solid. Yeah, yeah mine is 7.2. All right, then that brings us to the next category, which we've kind of already talked about, but we'll fill in some some gaps here and there. <laughs> just because just so much of the writing was about this. Yeah, that's going to be the, the writing characters category. Um, one thing we haven't talked about too much, though, is going to be the character inner needs, um, which I thought was, was fairly well done um, as far as, as Tony Stark kind of needing to grow up. Um, and a lot like he, he says a lot of things about, um, you know, like, oh, I'm finally taking responsibility. And, and I guess that's not good enough for people. Like he makes right. a lot of comments about like, you know, just implying that, you know, he's been childish and immature his whole life. And now he wants to step up and, and be something more. Um, I did feel like the, you know, that inner need and that ties in with character arcs as well. I feel like the character arc was, you know, it was there for sure. But I feel like it could have been much more pronounced for as much you know, character development that we get for, you know, here, here's who Tony Stark is. Isn't he an asshole? But look how much fun he is. Like, we get so much of that. Yeah. And then it's just kind of like, and I was a humanitarian. And, and I feel like it could have been explored a lot more. Yeah, you said it. You nailed it. Um, they do, I think, a pretty good job of showing his, uh, you know, before the trauma, how it was very hedonistic. Um, he was, you know, trying to uh, live the baller lifestyle, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then some pretty traumatic stuff happened, and he changed his mind, and he changed uh, his relationships with other people, and he started to take responsibility and take things seriously. But he was still himself. He's still Tony Stark. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's not like he did a complete 180. I thought that was they handled it well, having him kind of come to terms with how much death he has caused like that's a real thing like yeah, people absolutely. have to deal with the fact that they've caused harm and usually it's not that extreme yeah. or that literal yeah. but uh that's like a real a, a real thing and a real need and i thought that was very well done all right the the villain could have been particularly towards the last act like i like that there's a subtle kind of transition from like maybe not that bad to super evil but yeah. it does seem like there's just all of a sudden like 
Like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of a bad dude. Oh, I'm going to, like, not only try and murder you, but I'm going to, like, kill this whole family with children and everything in this car. I'm going to, like, here's this innocent motorcyclist. I'm just going to rip this motorcycle away and, like, obviously kill that dude. Like, like he just went and just, like, he kept constantly saying, like, I love this suit. Like, like, oh, yeah, this suit's awesome. Like, he was, they really played up, like. with power. Exactly, which, which. Makes sense, but I would have liked to see a little bit, and especially like they they very briefly mentioned in the beginning, like oh, once Tony Stark turned twenty one, he decided to come back to the company. But it would have been nice to know like like how long was he running the company alone, and then like I don't know, go from there because it seemed like it was very much like oh, he had all the like he was the the king of this empire, and then the prince came back and was like okay, I'm gonna take my my throne now. You can like go away and be my advisor now, and like like oh, but I was like king for however many years. Right. You know, like, it's that very much so that dynamic. I mean, we really didn't get any of that. It was just... There was not... Yeah, there was some, but not a lot. No, because, like, even, like, like oh, he, he was going to have Tony Stark assassinated, essentially. But why? Like, we, I mean, we can infer because he wanted to run the company, but, like, why? Like, it just seems like there's... It's, I would have liked yeah. to see more of that relationship and more of that dynamic and... And especially when you consider, like, his parents must have trusted him because they co-ran the company together. Right. So was he evil then, or did this have, was it just the power? Was it a power trip? Like, there's a lot of unanswered questions. He could have been a really interesting villain, and instead he just got paper-thin and easily forgettable, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, it just seemed like he was just out for power. Exactly. I definitely, I do like the uh, character dynamics between Pepper Potts and, and Tony Stark. I feel like there's an interesting... Um, kind of relationship there, even though it's it is definitely one of those cases where it's like, wait, what does she see in him? He's an asshole that treats <laughs> everyone awful, and she clearly like has this crush on him from the very beginning. And I, I guess she sees what all the other women see in him. I don't know what that is, but I think all the other women just see money you and dollar signs in their eyes, like exactly. In a yeah, and could a, be a fun one night stand to tell your friends. Like I don't, I don't know, but. Like, she knows he's an asshole, and she's always cleaning up after his one-night stands, and yet she still seems to be in love with him. It's just, I don't know. But regardless, <laughs> I may not know why they have the chemistry they do, but I do like, like, there, there's a scene where she replaces the core for him, and I think that's a, a pretty charming scene. Like, I yeah, definitely like their chemistry. One. Yeah, just their... They're definitely likable characters. Um, the one character that I would say is um, not as likable is going to be Rhodes, which is really interesting because, like, once they recast him in the later movies, he's fine. Like, I, I really huh. like Don, Don Cheadley. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I really like like that character. But in this movie, he's just, he's such a buzzkill. It's just like, oh, my God, go away. I, <laughs> he's just annoying. And I don't know how, to be fair, I don't know how much of that could be the writing, it could be the directing, it could be the actor, it could be a variety of things. So, but as far as character likability goes, I did not like his character in this movie. Okay. But I really liked the dialogue in this movie. And it's actually really interesting. I was reading a little bit, just kind of skimming the Wikipedia article, nothing <laughs> nothing fancy or scholarly or anything. Um, but I guess when they started filming, they didn't have a complete script yet. Oh. So, like, a lot of the most memorable scenes were ad-libbed. Or, or improv, I guess. Wow. Like, the scene where, um, which I, I think this is one of the most memorable scenes in the movie, is when he's doing the Jericho presentation, and it's like, you know, they say the best weapon is the one you don't have to fire, oh, right. but I say 
It's the one who only have to fart. Like, that was, he made that speech up, like, on the spot. Robert Downey Jr. did. Oh, wow. And it's, like, one of the most, or I, don't, I shouldn't say he made the whole thing up, because I don't know, but that's that's the gist I got, and that's the story they seem to be going with. Yeah, so, like, a lot of moments like that. Like, it's just, because they didn't really have a script, but, and it's, and they had, I don't know, it seems like, like, this was a movie where, like, they had the rights to make it, like, ten years before they actually did, and, it, like, they'd hire a writer, and then it would fall through, and then they'd hire a director, and then it'd fall through, they'd cast an actor, fall through, like, you want to hear a couple actors that almost played? Well, look at it, remind me when we yeah. get to acting and casting. Um, yeah, and even directors, like, Joss Whedon was on the table at one point to maybe direct it, and, and Quentin Tarantino was going to maybe write and direct it at one point. So it went through a lot of iterations. Then I think once they got the go to, like, film, they did not wait <laughs> on the script. They just went with it. Um, and it seemed to work. Um, but anyway, so I, I just thought that was interesting to note that, like, I gave the dialogue a really high score, and yet, like, it wasn't a lot of it. I think a lot of what I liked and huh. responded to I don't think was actually written the dialogue each each character had their own their own voice i guess you could say and um a lot of the um scenes with pepper potts and tony stark were pretty good so my total category or my total score for the writing characters category is going to be a 7.7 out of 10 mine is 8.4 wow all right uh, so now we're going to get to the acting and casting category uh, I feel like you should take the lead for some of this because I've been really just going uh, off. Sure. Uh, I do think Gwyneth Paltrow, she uh, just had kind of like a tired expression, just just kind of worn out. Yeah. Like, like, uh, like when you see a mom at the store who hasn't <laughs> slept in three days and little kids are running around <laughs> screaming. She yeah. reminded me of that. So that was pretty good. And then uh, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. also had like like a look of surprise or he did some face acting. <laughs> uh, I guess that's what we're calling it. Um, yeah, that's what I call it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I did. I did like um, Robert Downey Jr. Just like the way he spoke. Yeah. That, he does have a very distinctive speech pattern. Yeah. At least with this character. I haven't seen him in enough other things to know if that's character choice or just a him i don't know yeah i don't know i don't know yeah i i really liked it too i thought it worked really well for uh tony stark that's good i do think jeff bridges um was a pretty interesting choice uh his voice especially towards the end um i don't know if that counts as whatever i don't know i thought that was good too when you were talking about Gwyneth Paltrow earlier, it reminded me, we were talking before about what lies ahead within the, the Marvel Universe, and I had mentioned something about um, Rescue, which if anybody's familiar with the comic mm. books, in, in the comic books, this is, I swear this is going to get back to acting and casting, but in the comic books, the, pe- the character of Pepper Potts ends up getting her own suit, only instead of like fighting crime and stuff, her... Like, she becomes rescue, and she, like, responds to natural disasters and, like, helps people. So I was thinking, like, oh, that could be an interesting direction that they could go with. But then I was like, Gwyneth Paltrow would never be willing to do that. But it would be interesting. (laughs) Do you remember your response? You probably don't, because this was a while ago. But you told me. (laughs) You go, I don't think that would work. Because I think Gwyneth Paltrow has exactly enough screen presence to be Tony Stark's secretary. (laughs) 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 Which I, after you said that, I was kind of like, you know, I like Gwyneth Paltrow, and yet... Yeah, I get it. Particularly in such a high energy, yeah, like like action. Exactly, yeah. she it would never work. Um, 
But anyway, I just wanted to share that because I thought it was pretty funny. I mean, it's a particularly I mean, because we're 10 years into the franchise now, it's like, well, who else could be Iron Man? Right. No one else could be Iron Man. So, and, and same thing. I mean, even Pepper Potts. Like, I think even people who don't like Gwyneth Paltrow, it's like, but she, she's just pretty good Pepper Potts. So I don't know. At least yeah. I, I mean, I like Gwyneth Paltrow. Well, I have a love-hate relationship with her, but, you know, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> but yeah, like, I think everybody was, was very well cast and... Uh, particularly within the main characters. Yeah. Um, and definitely it has stood the test of time as we've seen through the building of a franchise. Yeah. Um, I wasn't familiar with the comics, so I don't really have much to compare it to, but I agree. I thought the main characters were very well cast. Even Jeff Bridges as a bad guy, which is weird because I have a hard time seeing him as anything other than the dude. Yeah. That's uh, probably the biggest role I know him from too. And, uh, but it still works. I think it it, it uh, helps with that vibe of like, oh, he's like the mentor fatherly figure. Oh, he's kind of shady. Oh, he's downright evil. Oh, now this is he like, oh, okay, he's, yeah. he's crazy. Do you want to hear just as uh, some anecdotal stuff, I guess, <laughs> some of the people who were potentially going to be cast? Oh, yeah. Nicolas Cage really <laughs> was really pushing. He really wanted to be Iron Man. And then the other big one, which is... Less laughable, but I'm so relieved it didn't happen, is <laughs> Tom Cruise. I also wanted to point out something else. Um, uh, with Jeff Bridges, uh, he has, like, a really great presence in this movie, like how he speaks and how he presents himself. And there's a few scenes where he's, like, trying to talk to someone, and he, like, buddy buddies up to them, like, wraps yeah. his arm around them. And, he, like, he's, like, a big, imposing dude. I don't know if he is in real life or not, but he definitely is in this movie. And he, yeah. he almost, like bullies them oh yeah and it's, it's very intimidating yeah yeah he does but, it yeah. to tony stark a couple times and he does it to one of the scientists who's working for him oh yeah 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 Yeah, and scientists is like well i'm not tony stark sorry i did think that was a good it was a little blatant i guess but yeah. i thought that that was a good like like oh he's a superhero not because of the suit but because of his yeah, yeah. his intelligence and his you know what he can do with his brain like i i did like right. that moment even though it was a little over the top Really, the only thing that uh, I do much prefer Don Cheadle is Rhodes. I want to point out that, yeah, he was a buzzkill, especially in the beginning. But I think that was because, you know, he referred to himself as Robert De- as, as Tony Stark's uh, babysitter. And so I think okay. they were like old time friends, but he was just so sick and tired of cleaning up his mess. I agree, and, and I mean... And maybe they went a little too hard on that. Like, in later movies, he still has that same personality. Like, he's still, like, like you can't do that. We gotta do things this way. Like, we have the law and right. government. You can't just... You, you can't just go into a war zone and do your own thing. Like, that's not... That's right. like an act of war. Like, you can't just do that. So, like, he does have a very big responsibility of, like, trying to rein him in. I just feel like there's there's a much better balance of, like, well, yes, he is a buzzkill, but, like, he's got a sense of humor about it, or, or he becomes a comic relief with just the way he delivers the lines. There's just something that works better in the later movies, in my opinion, and I might be picking too hard on it. But, I, but yes, I do agree. Like, there is... I mean, it's it's very intentional, um, and somebody's got to try and rein him in. Yeah. Pepper Potter isn't doing a very good job of it, so no, she's she's just too tired. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, whatever. I'm just gonna roll my eyes and and, and go home at, at uh, five o'clock or whatever. I didn't notice any like background characters who were like distracting because sometimes I'll see that in movies or something where there'll be someone like right behind the main character who's like trying to have a con- or supposed to have a conversation but they're like face acting like 150 percent right um I didn't see any of that um 
nothing stood out as all that great or all that bad. It was kind of neat seeing... Um, I can't believe I forgot his name. Oh, Stan Lee. Stan Lee, yeah. It was neat seeing Stan Lee, especially since, well, he's actually been in a ton of other movies before this. Oh, yeah, he's in, like, regardless of the yeah. studio, he's in all of them. I think he was, was he even in Howard the Duck? I'm sure he was. I uh, I found something on uh, the internet about, uh, like, if, if you took an actor and you combined all of the, uh, I think, the profits of all the movies they've been in, uh, he's by far the most profitable actor. Oh, I'm sure. Just because he's been in so many things that are so big. Yeah. But it's kind of funny to think of Stanley as, like, this billion-dollar actor He's got it made, man. All he does is just play a confused old man in everything he does. It's so Raking in the billions. I would say this is one of his better cameos. I prefer it, and I feel bad. (laughs) I feel so bad saying this, and and I'll say it again in other reviews, I'm sure. But every time he opens his mouth to speak, it distracts me so much because he's he's not an actor. Like, I, I love seeing him. I love the cameos. He's a... I mean, he's, he's Stan freaking Lee. Like, the guy's amazing. Okay. Like, like who doesn't love Stan Lee? Like, I, and it's fun to see him have the cameos. Like, I, I like all of that. But then when he starts having lines and it's like, and now we're, like, not in the movie anymore. Like, now we're in this other universe where Stan Lee is talking. And it just... So I like that, the, like, we see him. We got, like, a, a weird Hugh Hefner reference, I guess. Yeah. Call him Hugh, and, and he's, like, in the robe. Like, weird. It still kind of takes you out of it, but it's just kind of fun and, like, I don't know. So I, I, I don't know. And I guess I, I was reading, I think this came up on, it was either IMDb or the Wikipedia page that uh, the original Tony Stark, like, in the 60s, I, I think it was the 60s when his character was first created in comic books, Hugh Hefner was, like, one of the inspirations for the characters. <laughs> so uh, I could see that. Yeah, so then having Stanley like, dressed as Hugh Hefner and him jokingly, I guess, calling him Hugh. Um, yeah, I thought that was a great callback to, to the original inspiration of the character. So I just thought that was that was fun um, and one of the better Stanley cameos. <laughs> um, the one thing with that, because you were saying, like, you didn't notice anyone being, like, way overly expressive. I did notice it once when Tony Stark is going to get... Pepper Potts's martini or whatever, and then he gets interrupted by the journalist and and leaves Pepper on the roof because he's kind of awful. Um, That scene, (laughs) when he's at the bar ordering the drink, there's someone else, like, and she's talking to someone, and, like, she's, like, super, like, moving her arms all over the place, and, like... Like <laughs> it, it was, it was a little. I mean, it wasn't wasn't the worst I've seen. Yeah. But it was a little distracting, and I think I even said something of like, "Man, she's really having quite the conversation back there." Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. All right. So, what was your total score for the acting and casting? Acting and casting got a six point six. Right, exceeds so expectations. A little bit lower than me. I got a seven point four, which also exceeds expectations. All right, so the next category is going to be cinematography lighting. Um, And this one, I'm just going to say right off the bat, overall, I don't have that much to say about it. Like, nothing really stood out. I mean, it looked good. Like, I'll say that right off the bat. It definitely looked like a high-budget Hollywood movie. Like, it it looked good, met my expectations in that regard. I did notice, and this is going to be one of the more film-nerdy things I'll probably say, on this podcast, and I don't normally notice this kind of thing, but it was weirdly distracting to me that it was very obvious that it was filmed on film and not digitally when all the later movies are digital. I don't normally notice things like that, but it wow. was it was it just had like that grain to it, which is which is great. Like that I mean a lot of filmmakers go after that look and it's 
you know, that's a, it's a very, um, you know, very cinematic, very, like, there's, there's a reason film hasn't become extinct. Like, there's a lot of value to that specific book. But it's not what I associate with um, with with Marvel movies and with superhero right. movies. Like, like all of, all of these types of movies are all digital. It just and I think it is interesting that um, Speed Racer randomly came out the same. Not it's not random that it came out the same year as this, but it's random that I'm mentioning it. <laughs> but uh, Speed Racer came out, which is pretty much the first movie to ever be filmed on HD, and I think that that was really a game changer. So like. I'm, I would bet it's been a long, 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 long time since I've watched Iron Man 2, but I would bet that by then, which came out two years later, that's going to be 2010, I bet that's digital already. Um, so it's just just seeing it in film, which isn't necessarily, it's not lighting, but I don't really know where else to, t- I guess camera work maybe, um, but it's not something. Yeah, so it's not, like I said, it's one of the more nerdy specific things I'll probably mention, and it's not, like I don't have an eye for that, but it just had that had that look to it to the extent that I, I looked it up and it was 35 millimeter film that it was filmed on. Um, but that's really, I mean, that's that's not really lighting, but I didn't know where else to talk about it. So, sure. so I'm going to, I nerded out about that for a second just now. Um, but other than that, and the, the only thing that really got a little bit of a higher score is going to be realism, um, largely because all of the superhero movies we had seen before this, um, particularly the Batman movies. Yeah. Um, I think that the original Superman movies were, were definitely more realistic than, than the Batman movies for sure. But yeah, yeah. like this is definitely aims at like a, a hyper realistic this exists in our universe. Like it Right. It doesn't yeah. look like it was made by Joel Schumacher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or Tim Burton. Exactly. Yeah, and it's not you know, it's not sets like they, they went out in the desert and they filmed. They went to an actual Air Force base and filmed like they it's I, on location, um, which we'll get more into that with with some of the later categories. But yeah, so, so I liked the, the realism. I thought the lighting played played a good role in that. That's that's actually a really good point. I'm going to change my score. Oh, all right. Um, so, yeah, I don't have much to say. Uh, I think they did a good job of like the cave felt just like dirty and gross. And yeah, and uh, the high tech stuff felt high tech. And um uh, like the inside Tony Stark's office, everything was like really clean and really like what I would expect it to look like. I don't know. I don't know why I'm saying that. That's weird. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Like a you know white walls, very yeah, uh, corporate high, high key lighting, which is a uh, low contrast. Yeah, kind of yeah, even yeah. lighting. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that bumped that score up, although maybe it should bump it down. I don't know. <laughs> is uh, at the end. Um, there was that area 16 or room 16 or something. Yeah. I could not make sense of what that room was. Yeah. What was going on in there? Like there's water sounds and there's clearly uh, the the light bouncing off of the water all over the place. Uh, yeah, I wasn't thinking But there's that no way. water. Yeah. And then there's like all this old equipment and then there's like a bunch of chains hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. Like, like what is going on a, in that room? A meat locker? this uh yeah like what's happening yeah that was really weird yeah i i just put that under mood because it did there it was, was the very dark and yeah. yeah and even the weird like water lighting yeah it just has like that that vibe of like like what's going on where are we what's gonna come out of the shadows yeah i get that everything looked like what it should look like right the That's creepy fair, yeah. room was a creepy room the cave was a cave 
the desert looked like the desert. Uh, like you said, uh, for this genre, it's very real, and it's meant to look real rather than uh, uh, like a, a stylized comic book. All right, so then my total for, unless there was anything you wanted to add? Nope. All right, so my total for cinematography lighting is going to be a 6.6 out of 10. It still exceeded my expectations, but it is a little bit on the lower end of that. And I got a 6.2, which also exceeds expectations slightly. Fair enough. All right, so the next category is going to be cinematography camera work. Um, and this one I, I definitely have a little bit more to say about than, than the last category. Uh, there was a few weird things, like a couple scenes where it like zoomed in really weird. Or... Oh, yeah, like a Tarantino zoom kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was thinking about this. Um, I think it's because it's just like that weird transition. And so it has like mm-hmm. a little bit of everything going on. Yeah, because it... I, I want to say now that you say that, that the older Batman movies might have used that kind of zoom. But I might be thinking of the TV show. It just seemed very, like, like oh, yeah. almost, like, I don't know. I just had that vibe. It was only it was only twice that I noticed it, but it was very jarring. And they both happened very late in the movie. Yeah. And it's like, what, why are we all of a sudden? Yeah, there was a lot of, this? like, weird eclectic stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just not just uh, camera work, but in other areas where, like, that's that's weird. I could see if, like that's how they were doing things in this movie like other marvel movies are very stylized and yeah. then they you know if they go for that kind of zoom technique they'll use it throughout the movie all right so then moving on to the uh the mise-en-scene I, I, why can't like I hate that word so much, but it's it's what it's called. But anyway, uh, so compositions basically. Um, I th- I thought this movie did a did a pretty good job. I will say right off the bat with this one, I guess it's not right off the bat. We're pretty far into this review, but uh, uh, as far as compositions go, there was a lot of symmetry, which I am a sucker for. Like, give me any movie with symmetry, and I'll be like, it was so beautifully shot. Like, I just Wes Anderson is like one of my favorites, oh, yeah. and uh, just. I love I love me some symmetry. So this movie it didn't go overboard with it, which I did appreciate because that would have felt out of place. But there was definitely a decent amount of symmetry, which I really really liked within the the mise en scène. Um, and then and then the other thing that I liked within the compositions overall is um and this is particularly true um, within the the cave scene right before he escapes. Um, and it's really the the framing of the shots is very reminiscent of um, like bear with me here, but it's almost like like Jaws or something like that, where there's like this creepy thing in the background. We don't see it. We know it's there. We know it's gonna attack. But it's interesting because that weird thing that's gonna attack is the hero of the movie. But he's like hidden in the shadows and oh, like yeah. like it's very very much so shot like a monster movie or like like Jaws something where it's like we and, it, and it's because I mean he's he's our hero this is the first time we're gonna see him in some form of a suit like it's a big moment of right. like like we're gonna see the suit so it's kind of the opposite of a monster movie where it's like like oh we're gonna see him how scary is it gonna be where it's like how awesome is it gonna be like it's right. just I, I know exactly what scene you're talking about yeah. it's like at the mouth of the cave mm-hmm. when all the, the bad guys are like pointing their guns at the cave like well, what's gonna happen what's what's going on what's what's the deal here exactly then, like it shows the cave for several seconds and then you see him like step out in his mm-hmm. full suit exactly and even within that like it still takes a couple shots of like some very quick editing which that's more editing than composition but like it still takes a little while before we actually get a good glimpse of him in the suit so I just like I just really liked the compositions within that because it felt like a horror movie except 
like the thing it's hiding is not the thing we're afraid of. It's the thing we're rooting for. Like it was just interesting. And, and that goes back to like genre conventions too, of like utilizing this very familiar device in a very different way for a very different emotional effect. It was just, I thought that that was a, a really good scene. But anyway, so, so I really liked the compositions within, within those scenes. So I guess that's, those are the two biggest points within mise-en-scene. I can't even say it without like making fun of it. You can't, <laughs> you can't see me, but I roll my eyes every time I say it. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so for mise-en-scene, uh, I even rolled my eyes a little bit on that one. <laughs> I did like how a lot of places looked very sparse and open, like uh, Tony Stark's house. They would often show him like sitting on a couch or something, and it would be like really zoomed out. Yeah. Especially after uh, Obadiah takes his heart thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he's like dying on the couch, and he's like this tiny, weak figure surrounded by uh, all this empty space. Yeah, that was interesting. I liked that a lot, too. And uh, also, his office was like that. It was like a very sparse, and the camera seemed very zoomed out. I, I guess that falls under this subcategory. Absolutely. I mean, that's a lot of set design and stuff as well, but yeah. I mean, for sure the composition plays a really big part in that. Yeah. And uh, and then there were other scenes, like a lot of the the... The party scenes, it was very crowded and very crammed full. Yeah. And that's just something that I noticed. And I thought overall the camera movement was pretty solid. There were definitely those two, like, really quick zoom-ins that were super out of place that I, I did not care for. Um, and then there was some weird stuff, um, which which I understand what, um, like, like, I understand the aim but like when uh, when he gets paralyzed and and Obadiah is talking to him and the camera like starts to shift into like a, a Dutch angle oh, yeah. and it's a very like slow tilt and it's I mean I get that it's like oh he's paralyzed things are things are out of whack like I, I understand like the the emotion it's eliciting and it's not necessarily ineffective it's just very it was it was a move that drew a lot of attention to itself mm. and um. So, so that seemed a little bit out of place. But other than those two things, um, you know, those were the, the quick zooms and then that one Dutch angle kind of took me out of it a little bit. Um, but other than that, I thought the camera movements throughout were, were pretty well done and not super noticeable. There was some um, what looked to be handheld throughout, but not, um, yeah. I didn't think it was distractingly so. I thought it fit well and added to the, um, the more realism aspect to it. Like I was talking about with lighting. Um, so, so I thought the camera movement, other than those two two examples that I just gave, was was solid throughout. Okay. Uh, yeah, for camera movement, um, I guess the zoom in was the only thing that really annoyed me. Um, I did like how there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of focus on like him suiting up and stuff like that, where the, the camera would like slowly rotate around him while we see all this cool stuff happening. Yeah. Um, that was pretty neat. And uh, I gave it extra points. I don't know if this counts as camera movement or not, but a lot of the scenes where he's flying around, like the camera is also very active. And oh, it just yeah. gave it a, a, like a, a really active, high-speed feel. Absolutely. Yeah, that counts. Yeah. It was really energetic and really, uh, yeah, it, was, it, it felt like a lot of action, which is weird because it's just a guy with, with his hands by his side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of times with action movies, if they want it to feel action-y, it seems to me that they just add a bunch of cuts, a bunch of edits, and they splice oh, things yeah. together very quickly. Whereas yeah. this... Liam Neeson hopping a fence effect. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but this one, just through camera movement, 
of something that's not very interesting to look at for the most part. Like I said, it's just a guy in a yeah. suit with his hands by his side that um, still felt very um, action-y. Okay. And it was neat to have the camera like move around and so you could see him get his suit on and all that. I did like that, even though it was, I'm pretty sure that was all just to show off the special effects. Oh, yeah. It was, it was effective. Yeah. <laughs> it looked nice. So. All right, so my total for the camera work category is going to be a 6.7 out of 10. And the camera work, I got a 6.2. So that brings us to our next category, which is going to be editing and special effects. Um, and I thought overall the editing was was pretty solid throughout. Um, I don't have a ton to talk about. I did think the editing did some interesting things, um, like we were talking about earlier with the, you know, you see the opening scene and then we flash back, but then when we get back to that scene, we don't replay it. Right. Usually editors will, you know, take a 10-minute scene, edit it down to two minutes to kind of remind us what we just saw like half an hour ago. Um, so I liked that the, the editor didn't do that. Um, so that was nice. And then things like, um, you know, after his his heart, for a lack of a better word, is, is taken out the core, the arc reactor, I guess. Yeah. After that's taken out of his chest and, you know, he's like crawling downstairs or whatever. Like I thought the editing within those scenes was done fairly well where we get that sense of, of disorientation without it going on for too long or being too over the top. Um, you know, there's like jump cuts and things like that within that. Um, so th- with things like that, I thought the the editing did a decent job within the the storytelling. Um, I did think the the movement throughout the movie was handled fairly well. There, for a superhero movie, there was not as much action as you would think. Um, but like you were saying, with the camera movement, we do get some good editing within like just like his flying scenes and things like that where. You know, it could be a lot of very short scenes to try and give it that energy and, and the editor, you know, I mean, a lot of that's the director as well, obviously, but, you know, it's it's longer shots and things like that. Um, so I thought that the, the movement overall was handled really well and it really had a nice energy to it. We, we covered a lot of this in the writing. We both, I think, had a, a lot of issues with the pace and with, with the number of montages and the length of the montages. And then the last subcategory is going to be special effects, which I thought actually held up really, really well. I, I was a little bit prepared because, you know, when we popped in the DVD, it shows up with this menu. It does not look good. It definitely yeah. looked like a product of its time. So I was kind of, you know, being like, how, you know, I haven't seen it for a few years. How does this hold up? Is it going to be really bad? And I thought it actually held up better than, than some of the later Marvel movies even, which is kind of weird. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, the number of practical effects they use. Like a, a lot of the suits were physically built, you know, oh, for, wow. I, I think especially in the beginning, like the earlier suit, I, I think was, was mostly practical. That. Yeah. So, so I think that that helped quite a bit as far, you know, anytime you can use practical effects, it's going to hold up over time. But then the stuff that was obviously digital, um, wasn't that obvious, um, really set the bar high for the rest of the franchise. There were a few times where it was like a, several quick cuts in, in succession. Um, I can't remember exactly what they were, but that, that always kind of annoys me. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't too Again, bad. the Liam Neeson effect. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Because they were trying to make it feel real. Yeah. Like it's our, our world. For special effects, I was also very impressed with it. I think it holds up really well. Uh, a part of that is just that metal is a pretty easy thing to animate. That's what I've heard, probably from you in the past. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean that's just some pretty straightforward math for the most part, as yeah. opposed to things like human beings. Yeah, um, I know things like like hair and, hair, and cloth yeah. and things like that are supposed to be really hard. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I was really impressed with uh, the special effects. Then my total for editing is going to be a 7.5 out of 10. My total is a 6.6, which seems low, but I guess I had... Huh, okay. Seems right. Yeah, never mind. So the next category is going to be the sound design, and this one I actually thought was was one of the weaker categories and one that I think had, had the most potential that was um, not met. Um, there were just a lot of things, like um, his suit squeaked every time he moved, which is a great thing to add in. It's a metal suit. It would probably squeak. But it was so loud and so over the top. It almost reminded me, I, I saw The Wizard of Oz recently, mm. and because that's such an old movie, like, they, they turn the sound up on all the, like, like oh, we need you to know, like, that it's going to squeak. And it, it almost, I mean, it wasn't that bad. And it's, you know, it was it was fine, I guess. But it just, things like that were just so... You know, like, like, oh, he's a man made of iron. He's going to creak like a tin man. <laughs> like, it just was, it was just over the top for my taste, and it it was noticeable, and I, I disliked it. Um, so it might be erring on the, the nitpicky side, I guess, but um, that was one of my biggest complaints. Um, and then and then that brings us to the, the score and soundtrack, which, I mean, the, the soundtrack is great. I mean, of course you have um, things like, Iron Man in there, and yeah. um, you know it has a very um, you know it's it's the kind of music Tony Stark would listen to throughout the movie, which which I really like. So the the soundtrack is solid, but what I think is really lacking, and again this is similar to like the the villain problem within Marvel movies. This is not a new complaint, um, but as far as the the score goes, they really missed an opportunity to have like a you know, the Iron Man theme song, you know, and have, like, oh, this is going to be his theme every time you see him in a movie. You know, like, you have, you know, Superman has a theme, Batman has a theme, like, you have the, you know, Star Wars, you know, like, all these big franchise movies, there's, you know, characters have their, their themes, or at least, you know, the franchise in general has a theme, and, you know, the MCU really um, just didn't quite pick up on that and you, you almost get it here and then there's definitely recurring um motifs i suppose or or uh light motifs is that what it's called when it's with music um something like that so. um but yeah so you definitely like there are recurring themes throughout but it's nothing like as soon as you hear iron man play at the end credits i think that's the song that plays at the end credits yeah. uh like as soon as you hear that song you forget all the other like it's like i can't even remember what the like i know there was a yeah. song that played pretty frequently but i can't remember it now we just watched it half an hour ago you know um so i really think they they uh that that that's unfortunate um hmm. uh okay the sound effects are mostly uh you know the the suit being put together and yeah. like a lot of drill sounds and his robots um, and then guns and like rocket sounds and that's pretty much it. Um, there was like while I was watching it, I thought the the score was pretty good for like his badass moments um, where he's like stomping around and the, the music was pretty cool. But I like you like you said, I can't remember what it was exactly. I, yeah, it's just I've completely forgotten it. Yeah. But they did have um, <laughs> the song "Institutionalized" by Suicidal Tendencies. <laughs> Uh, that was kind of funny to see him, like, basically in his basement working on his hobbies, uh, like some sort of mopey teenager. <laughs> yeah. Pepper Potts comes in, yeah. telling him to clean his room or whatever it was. 
Then my overall score for sound is going to be a 5.4 out of 10, which met my expectations. Pretty average overall. Uh, and sound for me was a 5.8, which seems about right. Yeah, all right. All right, so the next category is going to be aesthetics, uh, which I kind of split up into character aesthetics of hair, makeup, and costumes, and then uh, the environmental aesthetics of sets, props, and locations. Yeah, we've got Pepper Potts with her iconic red hair. You've got... You know, Tony Stark has almost like a, you know, like you, like you said earlier, like a mopey teenager. Like, he's got that, like, shaggy look. You know, I haven't read extensively, but I've read a little bit here and there, and, and it just seems to match up with, with what exposure I've had with the source material. Um, and then same kind of thing with makeup. Um, I thought the the wound makeup, what little of it there was, looked fine. Um, and then, obviously, the more beauty makeup, um, nothing was super noticeable or over the top. I, I mean, you also have, I mean, you've got Tony Stark and his band t-shirts and jeans and things like yeah. that, you know, and... Uh, you know, cutting the whole lot of his shirt to have the arc reactor poke through, things like that. So, so there were other little details as well. Okay. Um, and then within environmental aesthetics, um, I did have, uh, you were saying with the uh, section 16 or yeah. area 16 or whatever it was, um, I do agree with you with what you were saying about like lighting and as far as like the mood within that scene, like I think it set it fairly well. But as far as, like, the, the logistics, like you were saying, yeah. it's like, what is this place? And then just the whole, like, the rooftop scene just seemed a little generic, um, which which is another recurring thing with Marvel movies, the, the final battle scenes. Not always there are some standouts, but they tend to be um, similar to the villains, a little on the forgettable side. And then for props, there was just so much, um, like, technology and, like, his, his workplace, his work place, uh, like, cluttered with with just little interesting props here and there um, and just the attention to detail particularly within his house and all the different rooms you know each yeah. room has its own vibe and you were saying like there's the starkness no pun intended of some of the rooms and and then this cluttered workspace where you can tell he spends most of his time um, so I thought as far as and a lot of that is, is set design as well but the, the specific props I really like wow it seems like we basically agree on a lot of this um, does Tony Stark have like the evil um, uh, goatee in the comics I think so I'm pretty sure okay. that's I know he does after these movies came out. Yeah. But I think I think the only comic books I've read are actually now that I'm thinking about it. I think they were all after the movies, but I'm sure he uh, must. Because that's a weird goatee. It's a very weird one. It is specific. Uh, makeup met expectations. I mean, there was some uh, like the guy got his face messed up, and there was some blood here and there, but <laughs> it, it was serviceable. <laughs> serviceable. Is, uh, so clinical or something? Uh, something. I don't know. <laughs> Well, that's a perfectly serviceable way of describing it. <laughs> uh, I, d I did like the early Iron Man suit. That was really cool. And I like uh, seeing Coulson and everyone. They all had like the same, almost like a man in, uh, like a men in black yeah. suit. Um, this seems like a very, very G-man, the government official. Um, and seeing Obadiah and his, uh, his costumes, especially when he's like lounging at home. And it's this like super opulent uh, room and he has like he's wearing like uh, like a smoking jacket or <laughs> or something. He has like these cartoonish looking pajamas. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're probably like five thousand dollar pajamas. Oh, I'm whatever. sure. Yeah, <laughs> and he has like the bathrobe or something on that. Like it's yeah. just all done up. Uh, I I don't know for some reason that scene really stood out to me, <laughs> uh, even though it doesn't really have anything to do with anything. <laughs> 
So my total for aesthetics is going to be an 8.9 out of 10, which is outstanding. And mine is 7.4, which exceeds expectations. All right. So we're wrapping things up here. So the second to last category is going to be impact on film. And this is going to be critical impact, audience cult impact, and historical inspirational impact. Um, this one, I don't think there's too, too much to say. Um, critical impact, I gave it an 8.5. Critics seem to like it. I looked at uh, Metacritic. I think the score was a 7.9, um, which I bumped up a little bit from that um, because I think especially for, for the type of critics who like this kind of movie, they all seem, you know, pretty unanimously, especially when it first came out. Thought it was awesome. And then, you know, more and more people have, have come around to like these kind of movies. So... So I gave it an 8.5. Um, audience cult impact, 9 out of 10. Um, don't think I need to go into too much more detail there. Everyone loves Marvel. So yeah. I mean, not everybody. It's not a perfect 10, but most people love Marvel. Most people have seen these movies. It definitely has an impact there. Um, and then historical inspirational impact, I did go ahead and give this one a perfect 10 out of 10, um, largely because it inspired the biggest, literally the biggest franchise ever made, or the most profitable franchise, at least, yeah. ever. Um, so it's not necessarily um, what I would normally consider to be historically or inspirationally <laughs> impactful. Sure. Um, but it, it definitely changed um, the way movies are made. It definitely, um, I mean, this whole idea of, like, a, a shared cinematic universe just changed, changed the game. It really... Um, it, it just changed everything um, as far as as far as marketing, as far as franchises, um, in that regard. Um, so so for sure, I gave it a ten out of ten for the uh, historical inspirational impact. Yeah. All right. Uh, another category where we agree on everything. <laughs> uh, critical impact nine out of ten. All right. Audience cult impact also gave it a nine out of ten. And uh, the historical inspirational impact. Um, I wasn't too sure whether. It should get a 9 or a 10. Um, it did, obviously, allow all these other movies to be made. I mean, if this one bombed, I don't think they would have continued with this. Oh, I can't imagine. Um, Although they did continue after Hulk, which was the second, but they had this one to, to look back on. So. That's true. Maybe that's why uh, they did another Iron Man. Yeah. When there was a two-year gap, like the Incredible Hulk came out like two months after this movie, and then there was a two-year gap before Iron Man 2, and that was the next. Yeah. So um, I wasn't sure to give it a 9 or a 10 because, yes, it obviously did uh, allow all those other movies to happen. And it did um, a really good job of that. But at the same time, like we said earlier, it was kind of a transition. So, yeah, yeah. like, all of the things weren't there. But I think enough of them were, so I went ahead and gave it a perfect 10. All right. So my total for impact on film came out to a 9.17. Oh, mine is a 9.33. All right. Um, so that brings us to uh, the simplest and most fun category. <laughs> That's going to be overall enjoyment. Uh, what did you, uh, what do you think for overall enjoyment? Um... This movie exceeded my expectations for overall enjoyment. I'm not that big of a fan of action movies. Uh, I feel like I've seen them all. I've only seen a few. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I get kind of bored with it if like if it if it just relies on editing. Oh yeah. To feel actiony, or if it just goes on for too long and there's nothing interesting happening. Yeah. Um, I feel the same way for sure. Yeah, and uh, I didn't know much about superhero movies and stuff like that. So this definitely exceeded my expectations. I gave it a 7 out of 10. Um, I like it. It's a pretty fun movie. It's pretty good. It's a solid 7 out of 10. All right. I uh, feel pretty similarly. I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. <laughs> um, 
uh, pretty much for all the same reasons. I definitely um, had more of a, a superhero background, I guess. Um, so I, I agree with what you were saying about action movies. I definitely avoid them for the most part. Um, but superheroes are kind of, I guess, more action adventure. And then, and then now, of course, it's just its own. I consider superhero movies to be their own genre. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't necessarily true when this came out. Um, so I definitely think within the 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 genre confines that it had and with what it was you know trying to create um it definitely exceeded my expectations in that way and um, and it's definitely like i remember seeing the trailers before it came out and being excited and then i remember going to the theater and like once the credit rolled it was like yep that 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 was what i wanted to see like that that delivered what it promised yeah um so definitely you know you know from the first time i saw it has been good and then and then you know seeing it in retrospect after 10 years of the franchise um i feel like it has there's still more to offer like you have you know colson saying oh this isn't my first rodeo and it's like okay i want to know more about that you know (laughs) like you have you know the the end credit scene like talk about things that changed cinema like that was just bonkers and i just remember it blowing my mind like i was saying before like it still gets me excited like there's still you know even though i have some issues with some of the pacing and a number of montages and then some of the you know a little bit of awkwardness i guess within that transition period of of creating this new genre um or, or solidifying the genre at least um you know it definitely has its its drawbacks and its weaknesses but it still holds up it's still fun it's still enjoyable so you know it's not a perfect 10 and it's not um it's definitely it's, it's gonna be interesting to see how it holds up within other marvel movies when we start rating those on the grid um because i do think it's it, it's got a solid score and i think it's gonna be you know probably top 10 but there's you know some that are worse and, and there's definitely i know there's some that are gonna be better so um so so a lot of why i gave it a 7.5 out of 10 instead of something higher is because is i know what's ahead and i know <laughs> i know which ones i like more and it's kind of like like well like i know you know I, I won't say which ones because maybe it'll change after I watch it. But there's definitely some where it's like this is probably gonna be like a nine or a nine point five on overall enjoyment. And this, you know, so I kind of calculate how far away is this from how much I enjoy that one. Um, so that's that's part of what went into that too. Um, okay. So I, don't know, I feel like I'm over explaining it, but I I gave it a seven point five out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should we move on to extra credit then? Yeah. All right. Uh, well, well, why don't you start? Did you give this movie any extra credit? I did not. No extra credit. I thought about it, and there were some things that I liked, but I I, I included those in other categories. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so I, I gave it um uh, well, I gave it extra credit for three things, um, half point each, so one point five points of extra credit total. Um, but the three things I gave it extra credit for, um, the first is is pretty simple, and maybe it's not necessarily worth extra credits it's kind of been covered in other categories um but i i wanted to give it a little bit extra just for for being the first you know it kicked off this franchise yeah. it's and it's not like at this point it's it's not just a you know they call it still the marvel cinematic universe but there's netflix shows there's agents of shields there's uh runaways on hulu like it's right it's so much bigger than just movies and and even if it was just the movies that's still like it's just this huge universe that this one movie i mean obviously the comic books before it kind of kicks it, <laughs> yeah, but you know they had something to do with it exactly but as far as like you know bringing it to the screen and, and you know bringing it to this medium like it it started with this 
Um, so I gave it a, yeah. a, I gave it some extra credit for that. And not only is it um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but then there's the uh, the Justice League, which is kind of copying the same idea. And then isn't is it Sony who's doing like the Mummy and that was Paramount. Paramount. I'm, I'm nearly positive that's dead now. They just did the Mummy and it bombed, and they're like, never mind, just kidding. Yeah. It's the, the dark so, universe they called it. Yeah. So that concept is is being uh, other other. Oh yeah, players being, are doing that. Oh yeah, I can't speak straight. Yeah, it's like a whole mod, like a franchise model now. Yeah. Like it's just changing. It's changing the game for sure. And I mean, it's been ten years, and they've made what eighteen movies? Is is Infinity War the eighteenth? Something. I like think it's seventeenth or eighteenth. Um, and and like I said, it started ten years ago. But there were two movies that came out in two thousand eight, and then we had a two year gap before the next one. So like, it had a slow start. So to have an average of about almost two movies a year when there was only two movies in the first two years. Like, it's just the, the, the growth is, is yeah. crazy. And then and then how many TV shows now and how many? Like, yeah. it's it's really just snowballing in a good way. <laughs> like Or, or some, some have argued with the TV shows it's getting a little ridiculous. But I know, to be fair, I haven't seen all the TV shows. I love the Netflix shows, like, with a passion. But I, I only watched, like, the first season of S.H.I.E.L.D.s and... Haven't started Runaways yet, although I really want to. That's just a matter of time. I just haven't gotten to it. But anyway, um, so yeah, it's just this huge universe. Um, so then uh, for the second thing of extra credit, um, I gave it for the, the theater experience of seeing it for the first time. Because, I mean, I remember, like, as the credits were rolling, like, just talking to my dad and being like, like, okay, so, like, tell me more about this shared universe. <laughs> like, who, who all is going to be in it? Like... Okay, I don't quite know any of those characters, but I'm still really excited. And like, you know, and then him explaining like who Nick Fury was. Like, I had no like. I, I consider myself a, a pretty big nerd, and I like now like largely because of the probably solely because of the MCU. Yeah. Like I'm I'm a Marvel fan. Like I I like DC. I, I still you know Wonder Woman's great. There's there's some stuff within DC that I like, but I tend to gravitate more towards towards Marvel. Um and and so. To have that be like my, and I've seen the X Men movies before, but that's a little bit of a different experience, and uh, you know, I don't know, it's just a little different. Um, so just so I gave it some extra credit for just that movie experience and that realizing what it was going to become, and and trying to picture it and being so excited, and then over the course of ten years not being let down. I think that's the biggest yeah. thing because like like you were saying, like uh, you know, well Paramount's trying to do this and it's like, yeah, but they tried it with one movie and it sucked and they gave up. Like it's and and even DC, I mean of course they have their fair share of issues and they're really trying to jump the gun with like, you know, okay, we've had like three movies. Now here's Justice League when it took several years for Marvel to right. get there and then, you know, so it's just I mean it's just yeah, now I'm just I'm just rambling now. But yeah, so that's why I gave it extra credit for that. Um, and then the third thing I gave it extra credit for is just all of the, the foreshadowing, some of which we, we still haven't even oh, seen, yeah. you know? So, I mean, all the talk of, of uh, you know, Stark's parents who, who play roles in later movies and... Um, Coulson's... His, 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 his rodeo yeah. thing. Yeah, we've got that. We've got uh, Nick Fury making a comment of, like, you know, you think you're the only superhero... Um, which still has me. I'm like, well, there was Iron... Or not Iron Man. Uh, it was like, well, there was Captain America, but that was before Nick Fury's time, even. Like, what other superheroes is he talking about? Um, Ms. Marvel, probably, because um, we know her movie's going to take place in the 90s. Um, but, yeah, like, there's still stuff that's like, we don't... There's still more we don't know. Um, so I definitely gave it extra credit for the foreshadowing. 
Uh, which, I mean, I guess that kind of was covered in, in world building and exposition, but... Oh, well, sometimes I double dip a little. <laughs> yeah. That's why extra credit's only half a point, not a full point. Um, so I guess that's it. Really quick, before we give our overall scores, I just wanted to talk. Um, so as we're recording this, Infinity War is uh, just around the corner, and by the time we post it, we'll have seen it. Um, so, so you listening to this have uh, very well know the answer to this, and... and if you don't, this isn't spoilers, because we don't either. Um, but I just wanted to um, see what you think uh, might happen to Tony Stark as far as um, Infinity War. Like, do you think... Uh, I mean, there's so many characters that are going to be in that movie. Do you think he's going to um, have any kind of major character arc or any, any <laughs> major events happen? Cats, come on! Uh, so after Infinity War, they're done with all these characters, right? I don't know. They Well, there's Infinity War, and then there's going to be Avengers 4 in, I think, 2019, but it might be 2020. So, And it's Avengers 4 that's, like, some sort of end point. I don't think it's the end point for all these characters, but they, they said something about, like, um, you know, the universe will never be the same and, and everything. that Like, it's going to be a clear okay. point of, like, there's going to be everything that happened before this and then everything that happened after it. So I kind of think that, like, the Phase 1 superheroes are going to be phased out. But, like, I can't imagine, okay. like, like Black Panther, I'm sure, is going to keep going. Spider-Man, I'm sure. Ms. Marvel. Like, there's a lot of people that are going to be introduced or have just been introduced. I can't imagine they're going to phase out already. Um, but that's the impression that I get, is that it's going to be... A lot of major characters are going to be phased out, but yeah. we're going to keep some, is what I think. Okay. Um, so, for the Infinity War, I think Tony Stark is going to sacrifice himself. I do, too. It's funny you say that, because that is literally... Although... I would rephrase it slightly. I, I don't know if I think that's what's going to happen, but I 100% think that's what needs to happen. Yeah. Like and, and it makes sense for a lot of ways, because he's mm-hmm. the one who started it, and exactly. his role has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing a lot more, more with like mentoring Spider-Man and mm-hmm. uh, kind of stepping up to be a leader. And yeah. his... Uh, it's funny, in this movie, he just does whatever he feels like. Yeah. Whenever he wants. Like, when he's driving, he's driving recklessly. Right. Uh, when he's testing out his stuff, he just, like, I want to try it starting at 10% and slams into the ceiling. Yeah. Um, but then throughout, uh, as we've seen him uh, change throughout the movies, he becomes a lot more responsible. In uh, the Civil War movie, he's the one who's actually saying, like, no, no, we have to, we have to like, uh, calm down a bit and, and, and not jump the gun and exactly. follow the rules. So I could totally see his his character arc um, continuing in that direction and then him sacrificing himself. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I hope, because nobody seems to be, like, I I try not to, like, I I hate spoilers with a passion, so I try not to even look at people's speculations about (laughs) what might happen. But, I mean, it's all over Twitter right now, so it pops up quite a bit. And nobody really, like, nobody thinks anything's going to happen to Tony Stark like that's just and I just but and they very well could be right like because like I said like I, I don't know if they're gonna have the guts to actually go through with killing not just a major character but the character that started it all like I I don't know if they're gonna take that step but I'm like someone major has to go yeah. and it's the perfect end to his character for, oh, yeah. for all the reasons you just said like he's and he's almost done it a couple of times already like he's right. he's there like he's I don't know. So so I hope that... And I, and I think what would be a good... Like, I think he needs to sacrifice himself, and Captain America needs to feel really guilty about it, because he's... Like, that's... He's a soldier. He's ready to sacrifice. Like, that's what soldiers 
do, they're ready to sacrifice themselves for the cause or their country or whatever the case may be. Like, he's he's a soldier. So to have one of his comrades fall and him survive, like, I could see him being the, you know, have survivor's guilt and, and have to deal with that through um, until Avengers 4 and whatever, you know, however his character wraps up. So I'm sure they'll phase him out. I don't know that they'll kill him, but I'm sure they'll phase him out one way or another. Right. So, but I, I don't think he should die because I mean he's he's the type of character that like he's the one who should die because he's a, a soldier, right. which means that of course he's gonna be the one who survives. Like it's always the ones who are most ready to yeah, sacrifice it, themselves. It who, would be like too heroic for him. Exactly, and and he he I don't know I, I feel like he needs to have that survivor's guilt of like I was ready to do it. Why didn't he let me go instead? Like that kind of a thing. Yeah. And that would make sense too because they've they've kind of been at odds with each other. A exactly. Lot. Yeah. So, yeah, so it'll be interesting. We'll see that in just a couple of days and see if our... It's funny, we both think the exact same thing should happen, but uh, a lot of people think it's going to be Hawkeye, just because he's such a minor character. And it's <laughs> like, like, what purpose does he serve? It's time for him to go. But I, feel, I like Hawkeye. And, no, he's going to retire and spend time with his family. Maybe not in this movie, oh, but yeah. that'll be his He's end. been talking about that for like the last three movies. He's like, this this is my last one, I swear. <laughs> like, just go retire, be with your family. Yeah. So I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure he'll just quit resign which is fine like that's that's noble yeah and i don't know who else i mean there's like 70 characters in this movie like someone big is gonna go i think it we both agree should be iron man hopefully it i feel hopefully he'll die (laughs) but it would be sad and it would be it would be a big move but it would be the right move i think all right. Well, I think that we're running low on battery, and this has been going on much longer what than was your total review. score? My total score is 75.87. Mine is 70.73, which solid seven. That's exactly what this movie seems That's like to fair. me. Yeah. All right. So that about wraps up our nitty gritty discussion of Iron Man. Be sure to join us again next Monday, where we're going to continue the Marvel Monday tradition and I will be reviewing The Incredible Hulk, uh, which should be interesting. Also, starting Friday, May 25th, Gritty Films will be posting nitty-gritty reviews of non-Marvel-related movies, starting with 2001 A Space Odyssey, which I will be reviewing with my sister Jessie. So until then, be sure to subscribe to Gritty Films on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and Tristan and I will both be back on Monday to review The Incredible Hulk. 